5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com God Stories Radio. This is Session 29. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. I'm excited about this uh, particular guest we have tonight, Mike, because uh, just speaking earlier uh, before the show, I think she's just as excited to be on our show as we are having her. That's what I understand. And it all came about (laughs) because uh, Trish had met her at a woman's event uh, back uh, a month or two ago. Right. And I got to play drums at that event. And um, I think, I don't know what was more fun, actually, playing drums or sitting backstage eating cheesecake with her husband. Uh, <laughs> and I tried to be backstage in that event, but uh, they said that they already had someone taking care of that. So. Oh, man, you missed it. All you can do is try. I know. I Trish, did. how's your week been? Oh, my week's been great. I actually, I, I, I don't know what we did before without seat warmers in our vehicles. Oh, uh, really? I've actually been using mine. This week. You're in Florida. I know. <laughs> that memo. Somebody missed the memo. <laughs> I'm from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and I have my tablet set up to where it's giving me the weather for here and for Springfield, Massachusetts. And yesterday it was minus seven degrees. Wow. And thank you that I'm in Florida. Yes. My family's up in the Washington, D.C. area, and they're all shoveling out from under today, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So I can't cry to them about the weather here. <laughs> Well, Trisha, I'm going to let you introduce our guest. Uh, uh, this is actually our first call-in testimony. Yes, first Skype test. And man, we are excited about that. So, Trish, introduce her while you still have a voice. Okay. I'm so excited. She is a singer, songwriter, author, um, and we're so privileged that she took out some time from her busy schedule to be with us. It's um, Karen Williams. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing great, Karen. How are you? I am wonderful. And I forgive me, but I'm having a hard time feeling sorry for you in the, the freezing cold, frigid weather down in down in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <You're, laughs> I am up north and it is cold. <laughs> yeah, it's a balmy six balmy sixty degrees here. Oh, I feel for you. I know it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm an Orlando girl at heart. That's where I was raised. So uh, I'm kind of a I still call myself a wimpy Floridian when the weather gets cold. We're like kindred kindred spirits because I, I actually oh, yeah. go to Rollins College, so I think of you oh, yeah. every Tuesday because <laughs> you're from Winter Park. Yeah. My brother, I have a brother that graduated from Rollins. Yep. Well, uh, I moved to Nashville almost seven years ago, and the first winter that I had up here, I was like, "Wait a minute! I thought this was still the South. What's happening here? It snowed, and you know, it was in my mind just freezing." And everybody here laughed at me. They said, "You big wimp." <laughs> so. <laughs> But this, but this year, it really is. I mean, it's been 10, 10 degrees. It's been below freezing for a couple of weeks now, which is just kind of crazy. So Ouch. I have stayed inside my, my, my home, and, and the space heater has followed me from room to room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. it's, a good day to, it's a good time to tuck yourself away in the studio and work on a new album. It, it really is. When it's this cold, I'm like, you know what? Turn a fire on and grab a guitar or sit in front of the piano and just kind of let but the Lord give you a song that day because it's just too cold to go outside and do anything else. So I was going to ask you trying about to, trying to make the most of it. <clears throat> I was going to ask you about that too, Karen. I know that you write a lot of your own music, and I wondered. Like I did some journaling recently, and when I read it back over, I couldn't stop crying, and I yeah. thought, "Oh my gosh!" If you're a writer and you're writing your music. And then you're singing the song. Does it take you back there every time like that? Oh, ab- absolutely. I um, as a as a writer, I mean, that's always been well. It's always just always been my outlet. I, I majored in journalism in college, and and just really kind of learned at a young age that writing is important. And exactly what you just said, you know, when you look back in your journal from 
I mean, if you've journaled your whole life, then it's kind of amazing to look back and see what you were thinking at 10 years old or 15 or 25 and just see um, how you've grown and, and obviously the, the maturing process and what the Lord may or may not have been teaching you at that point in your life. And, and when I moved to Nashville, I didn't really understand what the world of songwriting was. You know, I was always a writer. I, I wrote a book with my dad, and, and that, was, that was always my outlet. And then I was a singer. I just had never really put the two together. And so when I moved to, to Nashville, you know, you can't walk five steps in Nashville without running into a songwriter. And, and they all say, we should write together sometime. And, uh, and I didn't really know what that meant. But my dad has always told me, if somebody asks you if you know how to do something, just tell them yes, and then go learn how to do it. <laughs> so, so when I got approached about songwriting, I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. I'd love to write a song with you. And then I would go home and think, what in the world did I just commit to? And I um, Google that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. How do I write a song? And uh, one of those people that, that approached me about about writing was a guy named Brian White. And uh, and I said, you know, yes, I'd love to write a song with you. Well, two years later, I married him. So actually, he was just hitting on me. at the famous Nashville pickup line. We should write a song together. Um, that but was it some was song. Exactly. And we're still writing songs. <laughs> but it was the coolest um, thing when I really started to grasp and understand uh, sharing your feelings and putting it to a melody, I mean, there is really nothing quite like it. You can write in a journal or write a book or write a poem, um, but when you can marry a, a lyric with the right melody and just capture the right emotion, it, there's nothing like it. And, um, you know, I absolutely get go right back to those places where, where I was when I wrote that particular song. I was just talking to a friend of mine today, and he heard one of my songs that he hadn't heard yet, and he said, I just want to thank you for writing that. And coming from a fellow songwriter, you know, that, that always means a lot when, when another songwriter says, wow, that's, that's cool. But what I told him was, you know, I'm not, none of us claim to be great songwriters. I think we just are great song catchers. You know, sometimes the Lord just drops one in your, in your lap or in your hands, and, uh, and it's just an honor to write those kinds of songs. Um, there's a song on my record called This Is Freedom that I, I really just, I, I just was thankful to be in the room that day, and the Lord just sort of worked through my brain and my heart and through our fingers, you know, and, and we came up with this song that every time I sing it, I think, how in the world did I, how, how, I feel so honored to be part of, of a song that's this powerful and really captures the message of, of freedom in Christ um, so well. Uh, there's a song, the, yeah. the title track of my record is a song called Only You, and it was written on a, a, just a, a very kind of a dark time for me and, and frustrating time and one of those seasons for me where I felt kind of sucker punched every time I turned in a new direction and then it, it, you just felt knocked down and knocked down and, and it feels harder and harder to get back up and um, and and so I was up late one night, I couldn't sleep and I was having a, a pity party for myself I'm sure and complaining to the Lord about all these things that were going wrong and and, and on that particular night, I just felt like the Lord said, Karen, I'm not saying that these things are not important, but at the end of your life, none of these things are going to matter. And the only thing that's going to matter is, is whether you knew me, loved me, served me, and told everybody you could about me. Amen. And, and, that night, and that night, I just kept hearing, only you, only you, only you. And uh, I put that idea to, to my friend Sarah Hart, who's brilliant. She wrote uh, Better Than a Hallelujah for, for Amy Grant. She's a brilliant prolific songwriter, and I took that idea to her, and this song, Only You, I mean, literally came spilling out in 20 or 25 minutes. And so those are the songs that, they are like your diary. Um, you know, I, I know that Taylor Swift has said before, when you read, when you listen to my albums, you're, you're really reading my diary, and, and I think that's true of any, of any songwriter. There are songs that came from your high points, and songs that came from your low points, and, you know, songs come from everywhere, so to, to be able to really capture them and and listen back. I mean, I, I still get choked up when I'm introducing certain songs because I, I vividly remember how broken I felt or how um, sad I felt during that time or how excited I felt, you know? These aren't all, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, there are songs that we wrote just because we felt excited to be be alive that day, you know, and, and those are fun, fun too. It's just the, the, the art of songwriting and the art of music is, is just incredible and it never gets old seeing a new song come to life and see how seeing how the Lord wants to to use music just to plant a new song in your head or in your heart. And what I have found in my own life and in sharing music is that 
a song and, and just music in general sometimes has a way of healing that nothing else can. Amen. I mean, there are songs for me that, that have quite literally carried me through a season. Just you listen to them over and over and over, whether it's an old hymn or uh, something that somebody else has written or something I've written that the Lord is using to speak my own words back to me. <laughs> you know, it's just incredible how he uses music as a healing tool for all of us. Oh, an honor to be, be a part of them sometimes, you know. Karen, if I could ask you while we have you, um, yeah. your music definitely speaks for itself. I mean, uh, and I'm I'm so blessed by it, and I know a lot of people are. But Thank can you. I ask you, here on God Stories Radio, we have what we call a the defining moment, or mm-hmm. like the two-by-four upside the head, is what Mike and I call <laughs> yes. it. Could you yes. talk a little bit about maybe what was your defining moment as an individual, not so much as an artist, but but as an individual where God really, you know, took the legs out from under you, so to speak, or or maybe where he showed you that that he was legit and you mm. you made that commitment. Wow. Um the, the commitment to him, kind of a fresh commitment to the Lord or, or just well, just either that general, or, you know, just the moment. commitment in general, general, what was your defining moment, you know, coming up, yeah. you know, as a young child or an adult or. I was even thinking about um, your father when you found out that your father had cancer. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to your question and I'm thinking, man, there have been, there have been a couple of defining, really clear moments for me. I was very fortunate to have been raised, born into and raised in a, a Christian home. Um, my husband says, however, that does not make me a Christian any more than hanging out at McDonald's makes me a Big Mac. So there was obviously a defining moment for me when I accepted the Lord into my heart. Uh, I was I was very young when I when I did that. I came home from Sunday school one day when I was probably about five or six, and I told my mom, I said, I need to ask Jesus into my heart. And she said, okay. And so we kneeled by the bed, and, and she prayed with me as I um, prayed to receive Christ. And But obviously, being that young, I, I didn't fully understand what I was doing. And But going to church for me as a child was as natural as breathing or eating. It was just what we did. And uh, it wasn't for me until I got into to high school and college that I really started to understand what it meant to have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You know, it wasn't just about going to church. It wasn't just about singing the right songs and, and saying the right things and being in the right places at the right times. It was about developing a relationship. And so as I walked through my, you know, college years and, and early 20s, you know, as I got, kind of got into adulthood, there were many moments of, for me, of, of struggling and of trying to understand why do I believe what I believe? Is this because my parents told me to or because I really, truly understand this and want to know more about this Jesus that I, that I love? But do I really know him? And, uh, and so that relationship just kind of developed deeper and deeper because I just kind of fell in love with him um, as I really got into my 20s. But I went through some very difficult times. I, I found myself um, in an abusive relationship at one point in my early 20s that I very clearly got myself into, but it's one of those things that you don't understand until you're, you know, a couple of years later and you're like, man, what the world am I doing? What have I, how did I, how did I miss it? You know, am I that big of an idiot? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and so like it took that I could have been duped that, 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 um, clearly. And, uh, and so, you know, my family kind of helped me get back on my feet and that was a, a really difficult season for me. But again, one of those seasons where I began to understand, okay, Lord, I need to be listening for your voice. You know, I thought I had all the answers back then. I think every, maybe everybody in their early 20s does. You know, we know everything in our early 20s, and mm-hmm. then we kind of go through some life and get knocked down and knocked around a little bit, and you realize, gosh, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I should listen to the people that God has placed in my path. There's a reason why they call it older and wiser, because these people have been there. And my dad has always been um, a, a voice of reason in my life, and he's always tried to model for me what it means to follow Christ. But it wasn't until after that relationship that I really, really, I mean, really, truly just yielded myself to the Lord and said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I don't care. I, I, I don't want to rush into a marriage. I don't want to rush into any. I'm just done. I'm listening for your voice. 
And it was right around that time that I felt like the Lord said, hey, you know this music thing that you love so much? I want you to head to Nashville and pursue a ministry in music. And I said, um, okay, well, I don't know anybody there, Lord. And he said, right, exactly. <laughs> you know me, and that's enough. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm too scared. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what that would even look like. I don't know how. No, 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 not me, not me. No, thank you. And, um, and so that whisper became a little louder and a little louder and until it was kind of like you said, a two by four across the face, you know, it was like, I call it my, for me, I call it my baseball bat moment. It's like, <laughs> I said, Lord, oh, your baseball bat said, moment. Well, we my, like that one well, too. I, well, because I, I really prayed my, my verbatim what I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know what I, what I would do when I got there. I said, you are going to have to hit me over the head with a baseball bat because I am not leaving my family. I'm too scared and I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and to make a very long story short, within one week, my company in Orlando closed down. It was a company that I worked for. I basically walked into work one day and didn't have a job because the company had gone bankrupt. That same day, I got a call from a friend in Nashville that said, hey, a friend of a friend kind of thing, that said, hey, if you ever were to go to Nashville, because I had put a few feelers out, and they said, if you ever went to Nashville, what would you do for work? Because a friend of mine is a realtor and she's in desperate need of, of an assistant and you'd be, you'd have the freedom to do music. And, and I had a background in real estate. Wow. And so I thought, you're kidding me. I said, I just lost my job in Orlando. And he said, wow, interesting. That later that same week, another friend called and said, if you went to Nashville, what would you do with your condo in Orlando? And I said, I don't know. I'm not going to Nashville, but, but why do you ask? You know? And she said, well, because our church is looking for a furnished rental for our interim pastor for about a year. Wow. So I, in my own mind, had thought, man, I don't want to move all my furniture up there yet, because I don't, I don't know where I would even live yet, and maybe I'd find somewhere furnished, and, you know, all those little details that you all think through when you're moving. details. So literally within one week, I lost my job in Orlando, had a job in Nashville, and had my condo rent, rented in Orlando, all without doing anything. Isn't that amazing? It's like and, God. And that, yeah, and it's, that was my baseball bat moment where I, I actually just got goosebumps right now just retelling that story. And I felt like the Lord was handing me a silver platter saying, Karen, I can't make it any more clear. So if you don't get it now, then I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's amazing and how that, your life can be headed in one direction, and then all of a yeah. sudden God just, like, does an about-face exactly, like that and works and out even the smallest little details. Yeah, and we have to be listening. That's the key. You know, I, I'm I'm sure he probably tried to make it clear other times before that, but I, I probably wasn't listening. And so, I mean, that was the biggest, clearest, just boom. I, he, go. You've got to go. This is the time. And uh, and so I love it when he does that. Um, but but we really do have to be listening for, for that voice. Yeah, I so I packed a- up the car, and I drove to Nashville. I said goodbye to my family. They thought I was crazy. And I probably was a little bit, but, 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 you know, I, I knew they were so supportive in saying, Hey, if you feel like this is where the Lord's sending you, then obviously we're, we're incredibly sad that you're moving away from us. My dad took it very hard. And I, I teased my dad because I said, dad, you've, you've spent your entire life, you know, motivating people. Hey, this is your one shot at life. Take it, grab it by, grab it by the throat and, and tackle life. And, listen to where the Lord's telling you to go and then go after that with everything you've got. And I said, dad, you've spent your entire life encouraging people to do that. And, and I remember he said, I can't, he said, oh, I'm he sorry. said, yeah, but this is different. He said, this is you. <laughs> he said, this is my daughter. <laughs> and, uh, and that was, that was obviously very difficult for him to send his daughter off into a great unknown. And, and you hear stories about the music towns where, where people kind of take you in a wrong direction musically or whatever. Um, but he, he gave me a, he paid me a very high compliment. He said, I don't worry about you with fame or money or, um, or he said, because I know where your character is and I know where your faith is. And I know that, you know, being, not being 17 or 18, when I went off into this adventure, he said, you're a little bit, he said, you got a good head on your shoulders and I know you're going to do okay. And so that to me was the greatest compliment of all, um, just from a, from a character standpoint. And I said, well, dad, you've, You've raised me that way, and, and actually out of that move is where our book was born. The night that I was leaving Orlando, I wrote my dad a card, and, and I said, Dad, I don't know what to give you as a going-away present. I said, so all I can do is tell you thank you and tell you that 
it's because of you that I feel prepared to go out on this unknown journey. And I said, and here's why. And in the card, I listed all of his most important life lessons, just all the things that he said to me over and over and over, and the things that I go back to when I'm making decisions every day. And I wrote all that in a card and gave it to him at, at our at dinner our, our my uh, my last night in Orlando. My dad likes to call that our last supper. <laughs> and uh, and so he read that card and he said, Karen, this is a book. He said, we're going to write this. These are the chapters of a book that you've written here. Wow. And so about a year later, a book called The Takeaway, 20 Unforgettable Life Lessons Every Father Should Pass On to His Child, was born. And, uh, and so that was kind of an exciting adventure. And that was really the first thing that came to fruition out of my move that I really felt like the Lord said, see, I told you I had something really exciting planned for you. Um, I'll never forget when I held that book in my hands for the first time, and I thought, I never set out to be an author. I had never really planned to write a book. Um, but again, that's just what, what will happen when we let go, and, and, and when God says, I have an abundant life for you. I have bigger plans. I have more for you than you could ever dream or imagine. Mm-hmm. He, he meant that when he said that. And, uh, and I, I'm living proof of that. I, my, my, whole, my whole approach to, to life changed during that time, and, uh, and life becomes a lot less stressful when you just take your hands off the wheel and say, Lord, I'm letting you lead. And I don't know where that may, may lead me, but I know that it's better than anything I could plan, um, because in this last couple of years, I've written a book, and I signed a record deal. I signed a publishing deal here in Nashville where I got paid to write music full-time, and I didn't even know I wanted to be a songwriter. So, you know, if, if I mean, that's what the Lord meant when He said, I know the plans I have for you, but you, but we have to trust Him. Yep. And we have, to, we have to let Him take us there, and sometimes we fight it so hard, and, uh, and we kind of miss out on those blessings. And so when I, when I look back on the, the songs that have been written, the relationships that have been formed here, the incredible friendships and you know, girlfriends that I've made here in Nashville that have challenged me, encouraged me, and, and become like sisters to me, you know, I would have missed out on all that. And so I was it thinking, is just that my, I was just thinking that we can't talk to you and not think about the fact that, because not everybody knows this, but you have 18 brothers and sisters. Yep. So <laughs> Most you up and moving. You up in the moving is like a huge deal. You left your entire family here. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing. Fourteen of my adopted, uh, fourteen of my brothers and sisters are adopted from all over the world, and there are nineteen of us total. So I have eighteen brothers and sisters, and uh, yeah, that was that was that was devastating. Moving away from all them, that was actually what I said to the Lord at that point. I said, you know, my my parents had gone through a divorce, uh, unfortunately, when I was in high school. And my dad remarried an incredible woman named Ruth, and I call her St. Ruth because there were still 15 kids living at home during the time she married my dad. Wow. So I said, I said she either really loves my dad or she is certifiably insane. Yeah, how do you bring that up <laughs> and, over dinner? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, on their first date, he said, so do you have any regrets in life? And she had one child. And she said, well, you know, I always wish that I had, had more children. And my dad said, well, I can fix that. <laughs> and so... Uh, they have been married for about 15, 16 years now. So all these years later, she was not insane. She just really loved my dad, and, and she really kind of helped put our family back together. So it was a few years after that when when I felt led to move to Nashville. So that was really hard for me. I said, Lord, my family just got put back together, and my sisters and brothers were starting to have kids of their own, and um, and so I was getting to experience what it felt like to be an aunt and I did not know that you could love a child that much when it did not even come from you <laughs> you know to be an aunt and to, to oh it was just incredible and I thought I don't want to leave all this now um so that's why it was so hard and um I guess another to answer your question Mike another defining moment two by four baseball that moment for me was um in February on February 4th of 2011 I got a call from my dad and if you can't tell by now, my dad and I are, are very close. We just have a, a tight father-daughter relationship. And I, my phone rang that afternoon, and, and it was my dad, and I could just tell immediately in his voice that something was wrong, something was different. And, you know, he tried to kind of make small talk for a minute, and I just I knew something was up. I said, Dad, what's going on? And he said, um, he said I, well, I've just come from my most recent physical, and I, I need to fill you in on the details. 
and my heart just sank because I know my dad well enough to know that he would never call me just to fill me in on, on the details of a physical if they were good. So I thought, oh, something really bad is about to happen. And, and he said, I've been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer called multiple myeloma. And I had never heard of multiple myeloma before that day. It's kind of interesting um, to hear different people now. Tom Brokaw was just, just announced that he was diagnosed with this same cancer, mm-hmm. um, which just kind of blew me away the other night when I heard that. But, uh, you know, my, my heart obviously sank to the floor that day on, on the phone with my dad. And, and I said, well, what's the, what's the prognosis? How does this thing work? What's, what is this multiple myeloma cancer? And he said it's a, a blood and bone marrow cancer that is incurable. There's no surgery they can do. Uh, he said, but the best that they can hope for is to get it into remission. And we feel like the doctors feel like they have a 70% chance of that. And, you know, for uh, once you hear the, the, the cancer word, you know, the C word, you kind of stop listening a little bit. You kind of zone out. Mm-hmm. And so I heard all these things. Yeah, 70%, okay, remission, blah, blah, blah. I, I just couldn't process that. You know, all I knew was... was it just didn't compute my dad and cancer. That just didn't fit. Um, you know, my dad is, is the the healthiest guy I know. He runs marathons. He's always been a health nut. So it wasn't like he didn't take care of himself. And it was just devastating. I mean, there were a lot of questions for God during that time, most of which started with why. I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, and it was just it was just the most difficult thing I've ever walked through. Anybody that's either been diagnosed or had somebody close to them diagnosed with cancer knows what I'm talking about. And, and to be honest, it gave me a whole new respect for that. You know, when you hear that so-and-so's mom has been diagnosed with cancer or so-and-so has been diagnosed with, you know, everything stops. I mean, your world literally stops spinning for a while and you're, you're going through the motions of your life, but you're not really there. That's how I felt. And nothing. And I cried every day. Yeah. And that's all all I could do was, Mm -hmm. exactly. It's all consuming all-consuming and so I, I tried to write songs during that time and nothing would flow and I tried to you know I just tried to keep going one of my friends said kind of feels like wading through jello huh <laughs> I said yeah that's exactly what it feels like and then I remember um about five or six weeks after my dad's diagnosis just feeling so exhausted by the whole thing and I I sat on the edge of my bed and just cried and cried and cried and my husband came in and I I remember on that particular night when my husband came in the room, I tried to kind of pretend like I wasn't crying because I thought, this is so crazy. I'm crying every single day. I said, I've got to stop doing this. And um, and my husband just sat down on the edge of the bed with me, and, and, uh, and he just put his arms around me. And... Oh, man. All these years later, it still gets me choked up. But he just said, Karen, he said, he said you have got to lay this down. He said, you're trying to, con- I, I was trying to control it myself, and I was trying to figure it out and understand it, and I, I wanted answers. You know, I wanted to know why this had happened, and that's just the human side of me. <laughs> my human, my human was showing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, God, and, and he said, beautiful out of that, too, because yeah. that's where you're going with this, Karen. It's yeah, it was that, it was that defining moment for me of, of laying it down, and, and really, we talk about that as Christians and we sing about it as artists and we preach about it and we talk about letting the Lord be in control. And then our human, the human side of us picks it back up every day, it seems like. And, and it's a daily decision. And, uh, and my husband said, Karen, this is your, this is your chance to show the Lord, uh, to show the world what you, that you believe what you think and that you believe what you write. And this is your oppor- this is an opportunity. He said, this is not a punishment. He said, this is not the Lord just, you know, pointing his finger at you saying, well, I gave you this because of whatever. He said, no, 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 no. He said, this is not a punishment. This is an opportunity. And he said, you have to start looking at it like that. And, uh, and that was a huge defining moment for me because it was the night that I finally said, okay, Lord, I, I may never understand this, but I realize now that I don't have to. And I may never understand it, but I, I'm not going to question it anymore. And so that night for me is when the questions went from why to what. You know, instead of saying, why did this happen? It was, it became, what can I do to help somebody else through it? What can I do to encourage somebody else that may be going through something similar? And, and so it took another few months before we wrote 
um, this particular song that I'll, I'll tell you about. But honestly, it became it, it was written in my heart that night. And a couple of uh, a couple of months later, a song called "Rest in the Hope" was born. And and that song was was born 100% out of this experience with my dad because um, right after his diagnosis, he said. I thought that I was close to the Lord before cancer, he said, but now I feel like I'm sitting on his lap and just hugging him around his neck. And I thought that, you know, as songwriters, we're always looking for beautiful word, word pictures. <laughs> and and that, to me, was such a beautiful picture of just resting, just resting in the arms of Jesus. And he, he has told us over and over and promised us that, that he's in control and that we don't have to fear, that we don't have to fear, that we don't have to fear, but for some reason we still do. <laughs> And he's told us over and over that he will get us through it, that he will walk with us every step of the way, that he's touching our tears, that he has a plan for our life. Um, but it's in those that those moments that we don't understand that we automatically go back to, yeah, but, yeah, but Lord, but, but, but what about, but why, but, but I didn't expect this. And, uh, and so I've, I've stopped looking at the frustrating or difficult times in my life as, um, well, as that, difficult or frustrating, and I've started looking at them as opportunities. Um, opportunities to either learn something, or opportunities to teach something, or maybe just an opportunity to meet someone that I wouldn't have normally met. My dad has, has met nurses and doctors and all kinds of people through this experience with cancer that he never would have met otherwise. And so he's been able to encourage people and lead people to a relationship with Jesus that he would have never met. And so you have to start looking at those those opportunities as, hey, I would never have been here otherwise, so why not make the most of it? And why not put a smile on my face and, and just say, okay, Lord, this isn't what I planned. This isn't what I ever thought would where I would be, but obviously you have me here for a reason. Yeah, why you know, am I, I here? Can, I can, Exactly. Why am I here? And what do you want me to do through it? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to experience or, or teach somebody else through it? And I mean, I could we could sit here for three hours and I could tell you stories about about reasons why on February fourth, two thousand eleven, I would have told you this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Well, you know, years later, we just we just had the the, the February fourth anniversary. You know, always on that day every year, I kind of stop and go, "Wow, this is the day." When things changed for me, because now I would tell you, I certainly still wouldn't have chosen this, but I don't see it as the worst thing that's happened to our family anymore. I see it as kind of a, a just a, a really beautiful way of, you know, some of my brothers and sisters have come back to a relationship with the Lord through it. I've been able to share at um, women's events and just be able to encourage people that are going through breast cancer treatments or whatever. And I just have such a better understanding of of what it is people go through now and, and just a whole new respect for how difficult it is. And, um, you know, just the promises that the, the Lord has made to us over and over and over. He never promised us it would be easy. But he promised us that he would hold our hands through every single step. And uh, we always say, too, it, you would never be able to minister to those people had you not experienced it yourself. Right. Yeah, you can speak about something in a whole new way or write about something. Absolutely, we've written, it's in your heart. We've, we've, absolutely, absolutely. We've written several songs out of out of this experience. You know, Rest in the Hope is the most personal for me because it was it was really the first time I was able to put my feelings to words, finally, all those months after his diagnosis. But um, my husband wrote a beautiful song that Jackie Velasquez cut years ago called Lay It Down. And if you haven't heard that, go look it up and just listen to those words. It has gotten me gotten me through <laughs> this um, so many situations of just laying it down at the feet of Jesus. Amen. We, we, we think we have to have all the answers, and we don't. It's actually better when we don't, I have found. And what just, just letting, to, letting him lead. What would you say to somebody that maybe feels like they need answers, they don't know what direction to turn? Well, I mean, the first thing that I would say is that I, I know that feeling. I mean, I think sometimes it, it it helps me just to know that I'm not the only person going through something. And there are a thousand reasons why we feel the way we do. You know, there's, well, what do I do about college? What do I do about this relationship? Should I marry this guy? Should I have not married this guy? You know, should I, what do I, how do I, 
I mean, we, we have so many situations in our lives that we're faced with every day where we don't know where to turn. And, um, you know, I certainly, in talking to, to women or talking to anybody, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to pretend like I have all the answers because I, I definitely don't. Um, but I do have the one answer that I know that I just, that I know without a shadow of a doubt is the only answer. And that is to turn to the Lord for every single thing, big or small, it doesn't matter. Um, the Lord tells us in scripture that he cares about every single detail of our lives Mm -hmm. and he knows our hearts and he knows what he knows our, our deepest desires. And so when you turn it over to the Lord, it's just such a, there's such a freedom there. And, and it's not until you truly turn your life over to the Lord that you will find freedom. We search for it everywhere. We search for it in bars, and we search for it with friends. And as women, we search for it in men, or as men, maybe we search for it in women. I mean, we're searching for answers everywhere. And until we really and truly understand that Jesus is the only answer, then then all the other questions just become a little, I don't know, they kind of become a little less meaningful when you just kind of go, like I said, that, that one dark night for me where I was like so frustrated and upset about all these things that were knocking me down. And I felt like when the Lord said, Karen, none of these things are going to matter. That's not to say they're not important. Jesus isn't saying it's not important who you marry or it's not important. whatever. Of course those things are important. But at the end of your life, there is the only thing that matters is whether we knew Jesus. I mean, that is the only thing that's going to matter. So what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in, and, and keeping up with the next, you know, the neighbor down the street and trying to make money and where should I go for this? It, 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 really, none of it's going to matter. The only thing that's, that's going to matter is whether you knew Jesus Christ. And there's such a freedom in that, you know. I, I just, yeah. it's funny because I saw, I had to go see an attorney this morning talk about turning it over to God. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm okay with it now, you know. Mm-hmm. whatever will be will be and and i know he's in control and there's mm-hmm. such a freedom when you turn that over in that way there is and that's not to say you don't have to work hard that's not to say you know people always say well how did you when you got to nashville i mean what did you do the, the truth of what i did i don't i don't have any answers there either people say all the time i'm getting ready to move to nashville what do i do my my response is i have no idea what you should do i know that you should trust the lord through every single step and go out and build relationships and have fun, you know? <laughs> I mean, anybody that tells you they have all the answers is, is just, I think, making stuff up. Um, you know, my pastor used to say that the key to life is getting up, suiting up, showing up, and doing the next right thing, mm-hmm. and then trusting God with the results. That's all we can do is the next right thing. I can't worry about next week, next month, next year, and I certainly can't worry about last year or the mistakes that I made or didn't make or things I did, didn't do right, wrong, whatever. I mean, I can't live there. If, if you live in your past, then, hmm. well, I mean, that's exactly where you'll be is that's in your past. Right. And that's, you're not even living today. And so, and then if you're living too much in the future, I, I used to be guilty of that when I was in college, my freshman year in college, I was so consumed with what I was going to do when I graduated that I really didn't even enjoy my freshman year of college because I was so focused on the future. And so there's a, a balance of, Yes, understanding where you came from and taking those experiences and applying them to your life and not making those same mistakes again. And then there's obviously a focus on where do I want to go? What do I need to do to get there? What are the steps I need to take? But then let all of that go and live in today. That's where the Lord wants to bless you is in today. And we we miss out on, on the blessings that are all around us because we're focused on yesterday and tomorrow too much. And so there is such a freedom when we just let it go and and just take the next step. You know, sometimes you go through a season where the Lord gives you just enough to take one more step, to take one more step, <laughs> you know? And because you're thinking, how am I going to get through all these things? And I'm under a pile of bills, and I don't know how I'm going to get out from under all this debt, and I don't know how I'm going to get out from, and what do I, and how do I? And it's like, just, just take one more step. The next, do the next right thing, and then trust God with the results. He will work everything together for good. He, he wasn't kidding when he said that. And if I can take a cancer experience and say, the Lord has worked so many good things out of this most devastating thing in my life, I never thought I would be able to say that. So I can say with authority that he meant what he said when he said, I will take your life and weave it into something good. What the devil meant to harm you with, 
the Lord will work it into good. Amen. What is Galatians one ten? I saw that I when I went to your concert and you um, autographed my CD, you put Galatians one yes. ten on there. Yeah, when I was getting ready to, to move to Nashville, uh, a pastor, one of my pastors at First Baptist Orlando, wrote me a note and he said, "Karen, I want you to, I want to challenge you to." Memorize Galatians one ten. He said, put it in front of you, put it on your bathroom mirror, whatever you need to do, to keep that verse in front of you all the time when the devil comes sneaking around. He said, because he will. And so I, I promptly went went to my Bible and, and opened it up to Galatians one ten, and it said, am I trying to please man, or am I trying to please Christ? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a follower of Christ. And I had always heard people talk about having a life first, and I never really had a life verse, because in my mind I thought, well, there's so many verses that I love, and there's so many that apply to me on a daily basis. And um, But hey, I guess this is another baseball bat moment for me. And <laughs> that was for me when I immediately said, oh my goodness, I said, this is my life verse. This is the verse that I want my life to stand for. Who am I trying to please? What am I? Why do I do what I do? Am I trying to please man, or am I trying to please Christ? It's really actually very simple. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that from that moment on, decision-making became a lot easier for me, because when I'm faced with something now today, I kind of go, well, I mean, who am I really trying to please here? You know, with this world of Facebook and Twitter and social networking and all of it, self-promotion, 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 you know, sometimes I have to stop and pull back from it and go, you know, what am I, what am I really doing here? Why am I doing this? Is it for self-glorification or is it for, and obviously as an artist, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of promoting that we have to do when, when we're putting out new music or, or whatever it is. Um, but but when you can have the focus of saying, why do I do, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this for me? Is this to please somebody else? Or is this truly to please Jesus? To me, life becomes a lot easier with that focus, you know, really right in front of you and, and when, when you're making decisions with that perspective. And actually, that's to be honest, that's where uh, that's a lot of where only you came from. The, the title track of my record. Why am I doing what I do? <laughs> what am I doing it for? It's only it's only you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Karen, I I know you have to go in a few minutes, and um, uh, I just um, I just wanted to tell you that your testimony, your time with us tonight, has encouraged me Absolutely. as a steward of God Stories Radio because we were you know, called to do this a year ago uh, with very little direction. I mean, God has just kind of steered the ship as we gone along, and uh-huh. we prayed pretty much the exact same prayers that you did. You know, God, I, I don't know anybody. You know, we don't know uh-huh. anybody. We don't have any radio connections. You know, uh, now just all of it, you know, we're in 22 countries that download us now. Wow. And um, and you're on the phone with us, and I, I just— you know, it just stands the hair up on my arm to yeah. to know that you know what a blessing that is, and God's in control, and, and absolutely. Uh, and um, well, I mean, that's what I, happens when we just take steps and do what we feel led to do, and let Him do the rest. Amen. Well, well, Karen, I'm going to kind of let you uh, sign off, and then um, we'll wrap up the show. I know you got to go. Yes. Well, thank you guys for taking the time and. And making this happen, I feel very honored to be talking to you guys tonight, and and thanks for your obedience, you know, oh, to, to follow where you feel led. Even though it was like we don't really know what we're doing, but God you told me are just go and talk to her. She'll do it. She'll do it. And I was like, no, absolutely, I can't. <laughs> no. You guys are are making a huge difference with what you do, and so I just want to thank you guys as well. Well, so, God Stories God Radio is uh, king and queen of the shameless plugs, so we want you to. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Plug your website. <laughs> Uh, I know I about uh, Karen Williams' music. I just posted on it that you are going to be on yeah. the show tonight. Yeah, go to on Facebook. Just go to Karen Williams' music, but you have to spell it A A R Y N. My parents had to be a little different when they named me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and then my web my regular website is KarenWilliams.com. Again, make sure you spell it K A R Y N. And hey, let me just tell your listeners: there's a, a cool feature that I just added to my website. That if you go to the main page at KarenWilliams.com, scroll a little bit down, and there's a you'll see something there that says prayer requests. 
And if you click on that, you can send a prayer request. You can leave it anonymous if you want. So there's nothing weird that's going to happen. You're not going to get bombarded with emails or spam or anything like that. It's all very protected and um, and kept very confidential. But, you know, one of the biggest, I feel that one of the biggest honors that we have is to pray for each other. Mm. And when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I was talking to one of my friends, and I said, I feel like all I can do is pray. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Karen, that's everything you can do. And and I just thought, yeah, I, I had kind of, kind of underestimated the power in prayer because I was just so overwhelmed with my grief during that time. And so I've added this feature to my website. I want people to, I know that we have Facebook and we can post and everything, but I really wanted this to be a feature where people felt like they could, could go and have a, a private way to send a prayer request. They all come right to me. And then I send those out to a, a team of prayer warriors that I have that are just, and just an incredible prayer team that have prayed me through, you know, people that I've known for just many, many years. So please feel free to go to my website, karenwilliams.com, and click on that if you'd like to send a prayer request. And yeah, go to Facebook and, and let's connect. And you Stay in a, touch. A, I want to know you. I want to I want to hear your stories. <laughs> Do you have a, um, an album coming out soon? I'm thinking. I am getting. I'm, I'm working on a new album right now. My my record, Only You, is available on iTunes and at my website and in uh, Family Christian Stores and Lifeway and, and all of your finer retail chains. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working, I have a new single out right now that's called Ordinary Angels. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a special song. I, I, I have to brag on it because I, I didn't write it. So I can I can really brag on it. They're Couple hearing my that friends. in the background right now as we speak. Oh, good. <laughs> Good, good, good. It, it is a, I'll tell you what, special song and really just kind of hit me because there have been so many ordinary angels in my life that have walked me through se- different seasons of my life. Mm. Talk about talk about ordinary angels that you meet through through a cancer experience. I mean, doctors and nurses and just people that are so selfless and so giving and so kind. And so that song really hit me and, and the chorus says, just because God doesn't part the sea or pull you from the fire doesn't mean that he's not there. And that line absolutely slayed me because I thought, yes, that's exactly it. When something difficult happens to us, we immediately think, Lord, take this away. Take this away. That's the answer. That's the answer to my prayer would be to, to make this difficult situation just disappear. And, and that's not it. Sometimes the Lord wants us right in the middle of the storm so that He can teach us something. Because ultimately, He's just trying to, to, to make us more like Himself. And so if by the end of our lives we've accomplished some of that, then great. And But we have to go through difficult times in order to hopefully um, achieve that. So that storm. song is really meaningful to me because of what that chorus says. I need those words every single day. So I thought, well, if I need this, then I, I want to share it. So you can go download... Uh, Ordinary Angels from iTunes and then that that song will be on a new record that's being worked on right now so if you just go to my my Facebook page all that stuff will be I'll let everybody know when it's coming up or when it's coming out (laughs) Amen and and, uh, Karen if you would would you include us as God Stories Radio as a prayer partner with you Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We would love if if there's anybody any of the listeners out there um, I'm just going to publicly just go on record by saying we're going to partner with Karen and, and yes. uh, pray for those prayer requests, and yes. and we're just going to do it. There's power in numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. You're well, welcome. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for your ministry, and uh, call me anytime. Oh, thanks so much, Thank Karen. you so much, Karen. Thank you, Karen. All right. Have a great Love evening. Love you guys. You All too. Right. Bye-bye. 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 Wow. What, what do you think of that, Mikey? Well, that was... Unbelievable. Right? From Nashville? Really? <laughs> As Mikey would say, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, what was funny is all those sirens and you know, going off in the background. I mean... Yeah, half of Claremont is out there. You know... <laughs> It's just like the, only it's, tonight. It's, it's just like the devil to try to stifle what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? If somebody needed to hear what Karen had to say, I needed to hear that. I'm I know. A, I'm totally encouraged now. I was thinking, if you, who doesn't either, I don't even know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I just got to get there. What I was thinking is everyone either knows someone that's had cancer or someone's been diagnosed with cancer. I mean, you can't be human and not be able to 
experience and relate to what she was sharing. Oh, yeah. And had she not gone through that experience with her dad, you know, she would not. She wouldn't have been. Been able to relate. She wouldn't. And that Rest in the Hope, that's, I think, one of her most famous songs. And that's the one that she wrote when she was in that that pit that she mm-hmm. felt she was in. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I so bear witness with her testimony Absolutely. about the pit. And I wonder if she read Upside to Adversity. <laughs> That's a, we'll go to her website and put it in the prayer the list. The sports fanatic in me wanted to ask her about the magic so bad I couldn't stand it. But you, I have to say you boys did so good on that. Didn't we, though? You did. I was so proud. She's probably laughing right now, uh, which is okay, because we love our magic. Okay. I'm a Celtics fan anyway, but... <gasps> That's another program. <laughs> Forgiveness. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. That was our special guest, Karen Williams, calling in tonight. And that was our first call-in show. And I just had a blast. How about you? It was great. It, awesome. it was. It was fantastic. To see how that stuff works like that. I mean, I'm just still amazed. But Well, listen, guys. Send in your prayer request at GodStoriesRadio.com if you have questions for Karen maybe on something that she said tonight and uh, can't get to her website or have a question, send it through us. We'll get it to her. No problemo. And uh, we're going to partner in prayer with her, and and um, it's just going to be fantastic. Amen. Amen. We want to hear your testimony. Get it to us. Call us. Skype us. Yeah, there you go. Handwrite There it. was our first one. Something. But uh, we love you guys, and that wraps it up for Session 29. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless.